Hello, welcome back everybody. Welcome to the Steadcast. I am your host, Kieran Clements, head coach at the Steadfast Runners and Fast Jogger, here with my co-host, Sam Wade. Hello. Sam, one of the original Steadfast members, sub five miler, and now a 37... 16. 37, 16 10k runner. <laughs> we know from... it Was was it 16 for the park run as well, or was it 14? I can't remember. It, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm terrible at remembering your digits for some reason. <laughs> But anyway, today's podcast is going to be all about racing. We're going to review Sam's first official road race as a steadfast runner. We're going to talk about some of the other results that we had at that race uh, from some of our other guys running really well. We're going to talk about some of the tips and tricks of the trade to get the most out of yourself on race day, including some do's and don'ts. And yeah, just basically talk about racing. Yeah, and to start by racing, I want to I wanna throw a name at you. I'm going to throw the big guns in straight away. One of the biggest names ever, and certainly no stranger when it comes to a race. Go on. Kennedy Sabakele. Um, what about Kennedy Sabakele? He has got a busy old season lined up for himself so far. So anyone that follows the London Marathon scene may well have seen by now that he's officially thrown his hat into the ring for the start line of the 2020 London Marathon of which Kipchoge will be on the same starting grid. So it's going to be kind of titled as this head-to-head race. Uh, And I want to talk about that a little bit more in a second, maybe get some predictions from you and some thoughts. Obviously, we've talked a little bit privately, but you've got to throw it out there, haven't you? (laughs) Absolutely. But I sense that there's other news that you have for me. The other thing, and this is something that I only heard this morning, is that he's said that he's also going to be running in the Vitality half as well. Yep, he's he's heading to the big half. He's having another big head-to-head versus Mo Farah this time, which... That's going to be a tight race. I think that's juicy. Marathon. I think that's a really yeah. juicy race. Well, if you could pick a race for Mo versus Bekele to race over, it would probably be the half marathon. Well, I think Mo's a little bit more in tune. From what I've seen, I just think he's tuned a little bit better for that shorter distance. It just seems to be where he's got a little bit more snap in his step. Yeah, the marathon didn't wasn't quite his event so yeah. much. But, I mean, Bekele's still the world record holder over the 10,000 metres yeah. and is a 201 marathoner. So... Yeah. You'd think on paper the, we should just be handing it over to Bekele, yeah. but However, I don't think Bekele's ever broken one hour in the half. He hasn't. His personal best is sixty, I think, oh seven. So I mean, there's, I mean, there's nothing in it. But don't get me like, yo, let's 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 not get it twisted. Sixty minutes is blistering. It is, but if you put it that way, Callum Hawkins is quicker than him. And that's, I think, is a really interesting thing. And I know that. Bekele specifically has struggled with injuries and things like that. And that's been some of the doubts that have maybe been cast over him in the last few years. And it was only really that outstanding performance at Berlin last year that has kind of got people thinking maybe he's back to full health. Maybe, maybe he's going to... Bekele is back. Well, I dare say that that race is probably the only reason why we're discussing him at the moment. Otherwise, yeah. he would be obviously a big name on those on those entry lists but yeah you wouldn't expect a great deal from him but that berlin race has now created a big a great deal of expectation and now has yeah. created a great deal of hype around those two races as yeah well. well i mean i think that the half like i say the way that i could see it going i do you know what i re- i think it's gonna come down to a sprint finish I think so as I, mm, I, yeah, no, I do as well. But I think it's going to be quick. It will be quick. Yeah, it's going to be. We're, I think we're talking under sixty. Yeah. Well, I think Bekele probably. I think we'll get a really good gauge of what he's likely to perform like because let's not forget if he's. I think the marathon's obviously going to give him more glory against Elliot than it would do against Mo and a half. Mm. So let's not forget that he's going to give it a lot. But you feel like maybe he's at the start of his season with his 
looking to peak, as it were, well, towards I, the obviously towards the area in April. Yeah, well, my personal opinions on this is the London Marathon becomes a lot more exciting if Bekele suddenly turns up and absolutely blows Mo yeah. out of the water. Say yeah. he shows up and he runs 59 low yeah. and just runs away from Mo and the rest of the field at the big half. Then suddenly the London Marathon becomes very, very, very exciting. It becomes properly juicy, like what it's being hyped up to be. Exactly. Bekele versus Kipchoge, and they're just going to be slonging it out like coming into the mall or something like well i'll I t- I tell you what gives me thoughts and don't ask me what year it is maybe listeners can leave a comment or scream at their dashboard because they know it and i don't um but the great north run a few years ago and it was you must know well, yeah the one. i mean, I know it had, mean mo uh, versus hurley versus bekele yeah and, and i think bekele came out on top he, that day he, he did, just about held off mo in a sprint yeah it's, i mean that's incredible you know that long finish towards the end of the um yep. the end of the course it's amazing because I think I've this race on YouTube about five times. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Gabriel Selassie's, you know, he was a bit over the hump by that point. He just couldn't keep up. But Mo, I'm fairly sure. And listeners, if you haven't found it, I'm sure if you go and type in Bekele versus Farah, Great North Run, you'll find it in no time at all. Mm. They're literally with probably, I don't know, 800 meters left to go. One of them goes past, then the other one goes past. And you oh, can. Oh, it's crazy. It's one of the great road running battles that I've ever seen. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's astonishing to see. Just you can see them bleeding through <laughs> through as they go. And in the end, like you said, down to the very wire. Like Bekele kicked past him. And then it was like, oh, he's most beaten. He's miles back. And then he just starts kicking. And he's, yeah. getting, he's gaining. He's gaining. He's gaining. He's gaining. And it's literally on the line. There's meters it's, in it. It's, yeah, it's only a meter or two in it. I mean, astounding race. But like I said, that is a really strong indication of how seriously I think Bekele wants to show off his prowess as, as the big name in distance running still. And Definitely. Then, well, the fact that he's put himself forward for both of those races, I think, is it's not mucking about. Is it? It's not mucking about. He wouldn't do it if he wasn't serious and if he didn't think he was in shape to to really make some kind of an impact. Exactly. However, so, like I said, London, in my mind, and we'll get your opinion on this as well in a second. London, in my mind, isn't that exciting because I just have too much faith in Kipchoge. For it to actually be that exciting of a race. I'm excited to see how fast Kipchoge can run, but Let, I... I'll tell you what, here we go. Let's get our boxing reference in. For any new listeners, I always like to try and slip in a boxing reference where I can because that's my other sport that I spend far too much time talking about. <laughs> but cast your mind back to Muhammad Ali versus Fraser, Joe Fraser, at Madison Square Garden. It was dubbed as the fight of the century. It's a 15-round slugfest. It's epic. And what people are now comparing... This race, London 2020, London Marathon 2022, is that is that, that race. event. And you know what? I think it's going to be more like Conor McGregor's fight the other <laughs> night that was over in about 40 seconds. So, Well, yeah, it's interesting, you know, because obviously these are two big, you know, and they are the metaphorical heavyweights of distance running. Yes. But like you say, I think if we, if we think about Bekele and we can't doubt his legacy because everything that he's done is amazing. Yeah, I mean, if it was a track marathon, then Bekele could just sit on his back for however many laps of that would be, 400, or no, not 400, <laughs> 100 or so laps. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe I'd back him a little bit more, but on the roads, Kipchoge is just a different animal. And like he's almost, and well, he has proven to be unbeatable because I think the only person that's ever beaten him was Wilson Kipsang, who's since, you know, yeah, busted. And, and I think that was the race. Also, I'm fairly sure that was the race where Kipchoge's um, 
soles fell out of his shoes. Yeah, his so, shoes were falling apart. So yeah. he, he was running on busted shoes as well, which probably isn't very good for your concentration. Yeah, and what um, a segue that is, because we have to talk about shoes because it's one of the big three is boxing, Kipchoge and shoes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're both going to be in the same pair of shoes, most yeah, likely. Unless is... there's some crazy prototype that they're going to give to one and not the other, which I don't see no happening way. because they're no two way. of the highest profile athletes, especially within the world of running that Can Nike you have. Mean... Can you imagine the uproar, though, if they gave them to one and not the other and then there was some and it came down to the wire and one of them looked like they just nipped it or something? No way. That's one thing that I think makes this race really good. Imagine if it was on the other side of the fence and, you know, one of them is a Nike athlete, the other one isn't. And then all of a sudden was, yeah, Adidas or Brooks or one of the other. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it comes down to like there's a minute difference. You go, oh, well, they could keep up if they had the opposite shoes. Mm. Um so I think it's really good that the two of them are going to be on an effective level playing field. They are probably going to be an identical kit, you know. It's probably going to be, yeah, it's going to be a race, a yeah. proper, proper race, which I, I'm still, I'm building this up as if I think it's actually going to be anywhere close. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see what Bekele produces at the big half and then we'll revisit the subject. Yeah, I mean, I think just to throw out a few points there, anyone who listens to this knows that we're Kipchoge fans. Yes. In a big way, and I just well, think... I mean, just the, there's a lot of pretty objective evidence and numbers that point towards Kipchoge. The fact that he's never Bekele's never gotten anywhere near him in a marathon. I think it might no. be when they've been on the same start line. I think Bekele's only finished about like three out of five meetings, and has only ever been within about a minute of him once. So yeah. and it's I mean, hard to back look, him. Look at it this way, you know, just a few key pointers that I'll point out maybe before we get into the uh, the next part of the pod, but. If you look at it on paper, at least, Kipchoge has won the London Marathon four times. Bekele's never won it. He's come second. Yep. But the time that he came second was 2017 behind Daniel Wanjiru, since not really, not you know, really made, made an much, impact yeah. at, at the top end. And I mean, his time that there was, it was 2.05 something, 2 hours 5.20, something like I think that. that was on that crazy hot day. It wasn't. Though, so it was the year before. Oh, it was on. It okay. Was, it was the year before. So, so that's that. So He's can't never even done give that. him credit there. No, um. I know we shouldn't talk about shoes too much, but obviously the world record was run in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Kipchoge had the previous iteration of the fabled shoes, and then he did, yeah. And, and Bekele, yeah, Bekele had, was in the next percent. Had the the, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the next the next iteration of it afterwards. And I think the biggest thing for me, and I, I get it's different when you're chasing a target, and the racing strategy between the two of them is very different. You know, find me a race where Kipchoge's not up the front. You know, whereas yeah. whereas Bekele's not scared to to let it slip and then wind it back in. Well, that's exactly what happened in Berlin, isn't it? I mean, I think it was 25 to 30K or 30 to 35K. He was yeah. dropped. I thought, yeah, but Kaylee's gone. Yeah, but the big difference, and I think this is something that proves a lot, and we can talk about mentality and you can get woeful and wistful about it, but look at the body language at the end of their two races. I know if you know you've just smashed a world record versus that if you just missed it, your attitude is going to be very different. Mm. But at every performance, whether he's run a world record, a quick time or whatever, even on the time when Kipchoge came within like five seconds of the old world record, the old Dennis Kometa record at London, I think 2016, yes, I think yeah, it was. two oh three oh one or something. Something crazy like that. Anyway, he crossed that line, he carried on and he sort of, he had that energy and he had that sort of look about him that, you know, he it didn't it didn't completely kill him as it were mm-hmm. and the Berlin world record is something very different he sprints over the line he keeps running it's ridiculous and well he did that after the Ineos one exactly as well, didn't he? he ran back through the crowd and he looked like he was probably running about five minute pace still, <laughs> exactly but he's giving out high fives and stuff like that so you would imagine that yeah there yeah. is 
he has something in reserve. Yeah, whereas Bekele, when he did that amazing performance, I don't want to take away from it, you know, 201 well, anything. literally the second best marathon anyone's ever run exactly. on an official course. But, <laughs> he, you know, but he flew past, you know, he flew past the, the home straight and then the second he went through the tape, he just looked battered. Yeah, he and looked, I think he may have been slightly ahead of Kipchoge's splits at 40k. Yeah, like he, well. yeah, bat- he looked absolutely battered at the end and, and you can tell that he really gave it everything and you just mm. have to think, had Kipchoge been on his shoulder on the same day, what would, would have happened in those last two k or so? Would yeah. he have just put? Would he just put the hammer down, made a move, and gone for it? Mm. We don't. Or know. Or would he have gone with the guy that dropped Bekele, and then when he started slowing down, Kipchoge would have just seamlessly carried on at that pace. And exactly, yeah, you never know. He could have run two oh one, I don't know, twenty or so. Yeah. But like you say, but, we have we have the time to look ahead. We have the half, and we've got the full marathon to look ahead to. Exactly. Very at the very worst, it's going to be an exciting year of road running. Exactly. You can't moan at that, can you? You really can't moan at that. <laughs> exactly. But on to our last little news item that we have, and it's not on the best. <laughs> it's not great news, but it's interesting it, to talk about anyway. Yeah, it seems interesting that it's come out of the UK with UCAD as well. I could understand it maybe on one level, but to have both parties say that they won't be retesting athletes, it just seems almost like there's some sort of coercion between the two of them, doesn't it? And they've Yeah. So, well, what we're referring to, by the way, because we haven't actually mentioned it, is UK anti-doping have said that they're not going to retest any of the Nike Oregon projects, specifically, we're talking here about Mo Farah. Yeah. They're not going to retest any of the Nike Oregon project samples that they gave uh, when they were, you know, they just have tests. I mean, Mo had like 50 tests in a year or something. That's a lot, man. It's, oh, well, they are. They're always Once there. Once a week, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But... All of these samples have been tested and there's a call to get them retested in light of Alberto Salazar, who, for those who don't know, was the head coach at the Nike Oregon Project and looked after Mo Farah between, I think it was 2011 and 2000, and don't quote me on this, 2017 or 18. It must have been after the Olympics, yeah. Yep. Um, and they just, yeah, they have, they have given their reasons, but it seems like it's a bit of a cop-out, to be honest. I think maybe... Do you know what? It almost makes me wonder if they're worried about the truth and they don't want to degrade the image of the athletes or something like that. I know yeah, that. Well, I've heard plenty. I've heard enough rumors from being kind of on the inside of elite sports yeah. about athletes that have had, you know, biological passports that don't quite, that look suspicious. Had a or, wobble, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just yeah. Let's put it like that. Their samples have had a bit of a wobble and it's been kind of overlooked a little bit. Uh, it's it's tricky because I understand where everyone has to be on a level playing field. You have to have clean sport and things like that. But you also have to think about it from a spectator point of view and athletics' reputation goes up and down at the best of times. And the last thing you want is some sort of national darling like Mo Farah. And I don't know. I don't want to accuse Mo Farah of anything he's not guilty of. No, well, yeah, you can't just go around throwing accusations around at people. Exactly. But what I will say is... I mean, I don't trust anyone in athletics. The only person I know that's clean is myself. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you could be on EPO for all I know. You did just run a massive PB. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. My secrets all, <laughs> all leaking out over the airwaves. But no, what I mean by that literally is you don't want to completely like swindle some national darling like Mo Farah and ruin his Olympic year and all that sort of stuff. When you think about what he potentially represents benefit-wise for the sport maybe yeah. well i i personally I, I think clean sport is far more important than having 
I, I know. Than protecting a national treasure that may or may not have gone about things the wrong way. But I bet. I guess you. The, the counter argument for that though is that he's not been busted, so technically he's clean. You know, it's it's one of those things. Innocent until proven guilty, I suppose. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. But um, it's an interesting thing, and I don't think. I don't think anything more will come of it, to be fair. I think it's just kind of a line in the sand and some people carry banging on about it, but other people just say, get over it. Well, if they've released an official statement now, and I think you're right. I think if they're not going to retest the samples, they're not going to retest the samples. It may get escalated or other athletes within Nike Oregon Project from different nations may get retested, like US Adam may decide to retest yeah. the samples of the likes of, say, Galen Rupp. I know Kara Goucher has been really vocal on Twitter about saying, please retest my samples. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure she knows that she was good because she never, as far as I know, as far as what she said, never took anything that seemed suspect that was given to her. But, like, for example, if they tested Steve Magnus, who was the guy who they, he wasn't, he was a coach at Nike Oregon, Nike Oregon Project, but he was who they experimented with the l infusions Right, with. okay. If they retested his samples from around the time that they were doing that, they would have noticed that he had hugely, hugely inflated levels of L-carcinine. Yeah. Which obviously, I mean, I think it, I don't know that that is what's illegal or if it's the infusion amount that's illegal. You'd have to get somebody who was more clued in on anti-doping. We need Jake Shelley yeah. back here. But either way, they'd find dodgy stuff if they retested his samples from around that time. Not that he would have given any. Yeah. under an official circumstance because he wasn't a professional athlete at the no. time and he wasn't on the whereabouts <laughs> system. But you just see him sweating in the court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's our little our little rant on anti-doping. And well, that. it's a little news segment, isn't it? And a couple of opinions. Yeah, well, Nothing... my opinion on it is why, why not retest it? What are they going to lose? Time and money. Mm. <laughs> well, they're an anti-doping agency. Is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to spend oh, their no. time and money on testing samples and making absolutely certain that yeah. athletics is as clean as possible within their power. Yeah. And it seems like they're not using their power for as much as they that, could. Yeah. yeah, basically. But anyway, we move on to happier news. We yes. move on to the Snetterton 10K, Way. which. You ran in it, and you ran with two other athletes that I coach, Chris Cook and Francis Britton, and it was PBs all around. Now, before we get into this, I have vocalised this quite a lot to you, and I want to vocalise this a lot to the listeners. I think, as and this is albeit a new experience for me as road running as a race, however, I think that the setup we had, for anyone that doesn't know, Snetterden is a racetrack not too far away from where we live in... Uh, in the it's UK. sort of on the Norfolk-Suffolk border, isn't That's it? That's right, yeah. Quickly, before we get into the concept of running yeah. on a racetrack, I'll just quickly announce the results because people are going to want to know. Yeah, and go these on. guys deserve to have it read out because they've absolutely smashed it. So first in, we had Chris Cook finishing in fourth place overall in the race and first vet 55 with a 34-32 10K. So fast. That's, oh, that's insane. That's, so a pro- fast. that's an improvement of about 40 seconds on the last time that he ran a 10K as well. So huge shout out to Chris for running that time. We then had our main man over here, Sam Wade. Yo, yo. Finishing 11th place overall. And I think that puts you ninth in the um, sort of 18 to 35 category, like okay. the senior men's category. I'll take that. I'll take, top, I'll take a walk yeah, to wait, top 10. It may even be better than that. Helen Davis put a couple of minutes on you, but we won't, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> Shout out to Helen for a very good run, by the way. Um, so Sam came in in 37.16. 
which I mean, I predicted you at 38 flat, so you've smashed my expectations there. And then Sam was followed closely by Francis Britton in 13th place with a 37.28. Huge PB for Francis. I mean, not a million miles off of his 5K PB twice in a row. Yeah. So yeah. phenomenal running from all three of you guys there. I mean, I I saw that after having a fairly tough Sunday long run. I checked the results and I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, and like I say, it was it was a great experience, certainly for me and, and the experience I can talk and I'm sure that I can talk on behalf I'm Definitely sure I can talk on behalf of Francis because obviously he and I ran so similarly. Mm. Um, and you know, Chris, uh, thirty-four minutes. I mean, is just a remarkable time. As a V fifty-five, but as somebody for his yeah for his age, you know, there's which not I'm many- sure he won't mind us talking about. And no. that time, I think, would have put him third ranked in the whole of the UK for V fifty-fives in two thousand nineteen. Pretty which, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's let's jump into the actual concept a little bit because I. I love to talk about it because I just think it's fabulous. And but just, fabulous. No, no, don't you? <laughs> no, I just right. love that choice of words. Fabulous. Especially like... looking at this race course, it's a bit of a phallic shape as well. Oh, Sam's God. just pulled it up. I've never actually, <laughs> I've never seen this the race course before. But yeah, okay, well, that's the, interesting. For those of you playing along at home, go on Google, Google Snetterden Race Circuit, and you can kind of play along with the. Uh, the corners as, as as we talk about them the areas of the race course but yeah as an idea running road races on racetracks i think is brilliant and i've said yeah. all the reasons to you but primarily just think about the think about the infrastructure you need for say a big city race whether it's 10k anything like that if you want to host it in a significant area logistically it's a massive pain because people people don't know where to park they've got to get trains in they've got to stay there the night before they've got to do all these things then you've got to shut down big main roads and inconvenience people well, let's, I, was, I was going to say let's go through these kind of a little slower because yeah like you say parking is always huge at road races yeah especially if it's a city center road race and yeah. I've, I've been to places like for example the leeds abbey dash 10k i really struggled to find somewhere to park there because yeah. it's right in leeds city center is where it starts and all that sort of things all mental energy isn't it exactly that's and yeah when you're running around at 9 a.m trying to find a place to park because you haven't thought about it beforehand and yeah. the race starts in an hour like it's not ideal yeah but i imagine that there was a pretty big car park at snetterton well the way you've got to think about it is even if they didn't have any spectators they've got to deal with you know because race cars don't drive up there do they, they come on the backs of trailers and lorries <laughs> exactly and that sort of there's, thing. yeah there's hundreds of cargo so they've got to of, deal yeah. with big cargo and there's all tires and safety cars so they've got to be accessible for cars and have space and room to park them yep. so they're meant to deal with crowds so you've got great parking it also means that from a layout wise as well racetracks funnily enough people want to watch motor racing so it means that <laughs> and- for the spectators that come in their cars they've got room to move around and the advantage of obviously a racetrack is you get all your distance in one space you know it might be spread yeah. out over a couple of miles but you get it all in one space so it's not like if so you it's want easier to go, for spectators essentially yeah you know if you want to go and run watch a road race i mean especially if it's a race where the the start line and the finish line are like 10 miles apart yeah well for the most part if you, you know want to I mean? watch a road race you can get one maybe two sh- two views of the athlete so yeah. from, if we talk about let's use the ipswich 5k for example yeah it's two laps of the waterfront isn't it you can see them when they come past at the start and you can see them when they come past at the finish exactly and unless you're right at the start line where you might catch them three times that's literally that's it that's yeah. what you're gonna get whereas you think if you're i mean and like i say if you're playing along 
at home, go and look up Snetterdon on here. If you're in, you know, over towards like the nine o'clock area where the sort of hairpin bits are, if you've got a view that kind of overlooks, you know, you could potentially, if you're sat sort of at the bottom of the track here, you've got maybe one, two, three, you know, you can see probably four or five bits of the track all of which might be... Was there any kind of grandstand that you could go and sit in and have a look? There were a few, yeah. yeah. yeah I See, think I'm, spread I'm out looking at this more. and I'm thinking you could have people on the inside there lined along the side of the track, all watching. You could run from side to side yeah. to, look at the, to look at the runners as they run past and to cheer people on and be all over the course there. And it would be similar to what the NCAA cross country is like at... Um, uh, I can't remember where it is, at the Terre Haute course. Yeah. where people are running all the way back and forth and it kind of winds in and out and around and it's a big old big old loop that people just go you get on the inside of the fences and you just run around to the best spot to watch the runners it looks like you could do a pretty effectively do a similar thing here and it would be awesome you could get thousands of people on the inside of that track yeah and just it would create a crazy crazy atmosphere because that is one yeah. thing that some road races some are brilliant for it some not so good is they do lack atmosphere yeah and the other thing as well to consider with a racetrack like this, and it, it has some advantages and some benefits, what I'm about to talk about. But the other thing as well is because it's meant for spectating, you don't have like a road race in a city. If you want to see one part of it, that's great. But then you could have a massive, great big building in the way before you see the next bit. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here, it's all on flat level ground. And generally, there's nothing in there to block your view. Mm. Might not be anything in there to block your wind either. So I, that's exactly <laughs> what I was, I was literally going to make a note of that to talk about later. <laughs> so is if you get that on a windy day, it's going to sting. You're basically, well, for want of a better word, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... But you've got, yeah, you've got all of that. And then I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, let's talk about the racing conditions. We've talked enough about kind of the logistics of it and things like that. That's what I was going to say. Road closures. You don't have to worry about closing any roads because exactly. they're closed to the public anyway. Yeah. If you're if you're driving in your car around Snetterton Racetrack just on any given day, you're probably going to get told off. Exactly. And the other thing, well, very last thing before we move on, and I know this sounds really silly, but I feel like you'll be a you'll you'll appreciate this is that racetracks are nice and smooth for cars to run on so you actually the quality of the surface you run on is really good as well not silly at all i've run on so many road races where there's been cobbles or camber yeah or the road has just had potholes or something you don't have to worry about any of that there because it's going to be perfectly smooth maybe if it rains it might get a bit slippy yeah but you catch that but that's the same as if it's windy you're going to run a lot slower exactly you catch that on a good day and you can absolutely fly yeah. around it. You'll get PBs all round, yeah. <laughs> exactly, which is what we did. We caught it on a good day. It was relatively warm, so it wasn't slippy or anything underfoot. Oh, it wasn't sp- raining. Sp- speak for yourself. I got there at nine <laughs> o'clock. It was covered in frost. It was freezing. Yeah, true. But <laughs> by the time it was race time, it was, what, five, six degrees, which Something is pretty like that, spot yeah. on for 10K running, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. But what else? I mean, did you have any other thoughts about kind of the uh, the concept of running on racetracks, running a foot race on a racetrack? The only thing that I was just really excited for is obviously the big one of the big contributing reasons as to why I'm so into running now is because of getting so excited around the whole idea of the two hour marathon and breaking two obviously had Monza as their thing. And that was the first time I'd really heard of it. And I thought it was a really good idea then. So for me to now say that I've run on a race course (laughs) is, and it's just quite cool as well. You know, you think not everyone gets the opportunity to drive around racetracks or anything like that. I'm very fortunate where I have had the chance to drive around a few racetracks and it's a very cool experience and just kind of being out on the track. It's just, it's just, it's just a cool place to be. Yeah. And and you've got kind of like the bridges that go over 
and often they've got like the name of the race circuit or they've got sponsors or something That's like very that. Cool. You yeah. see it and, and as you run underneath those, it just kind of you know, you almost feel like you need to make uh, race car noises as you go past. <laughs> I was tempted yeah. to try and make one there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back. <laughs> but yeah, it's honestly I just thought the whole experience I just thought was a really, really cool way to host a race. And yeah. like I say, logistically it works and as you say, condition wise, they meant Oh, he's just knocked over a glass of water. Oops. That's, it's okay. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're meant for race cars to go fast. So it makes sense. That Why people... not? Why can humans not go fast as well? No, exactly. exactly. Uh, the one thing that I've just pulled up a picture now of the race medal that you sent us, because we had a little bit of a laugh about this in our <laughs> WhatsApp group. I think I've got so, it somewhere. The race, it's probably, yeah, who knows. So the race took place on the 19th of January, but they decided on the medal that they wanted to have it on the 17th of January. Yeah, here we go. I've got it. There it I've, is, yeah. I've got it here. Oh, uh, you hear it clang there. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's have a look. It's the other thing. looking at a picture. So, yeah, allegedly it was a half marathon that took place on the 17th of January. <laughs> but it does say 10K. But it's also got 10K <laughs> down below as well. They've made sure to get a nice little trumpet and a guitar on the on the medal as well. We should put a picture of this in, like, the show notes. Or yeah, we will, we will. it's hilarious. Will. Yeah, they also... Uh, they, send... they tell you how many laps you had to do as well. So just in case you'd forgotten how many you'd just done. They did send me an email. Hold on a minute. I'll see if I can find you. Uh... Was it regarding the... Med- yeah, because like, I bet a ton of people complained. And yeah, that's what did. we were saying is people are going to kick off about this. Like yeah. you weren't too bothered. And no, one of the athletes, Chris actually said, why do they even bother giving out medals? I'd rather that like a big hunk of metal and stuff that's yeah. probably going to get just tossed away by most people. You'd rather have a greener solution, I think is what he was trying to point yeah. towards. Do you know what I think would be better is, yeah, they give everyone a medal. And it's a nice little mark of an achievement. And I think it means different things to different people. Like I said, for Chris and I, you know, who just went out there and wanted to run fast, it doesn't necessarily mean much to us. Mm. If you're somebody who maybe has said, right, you know, this is my year to get fit and they've been working out just before Christmas and they had this booked and and this is the start of their year and they're going to go on to bigger and better things. Yeah. In that case, the medal might mean something a little bit more to them. But Well, I think that's pretty much exactly what I said is for you guys, like you're training to run as fast as you possibly can. There are a lot of people there where completion was the entire goal. They just yeah. wanted to get round and they wanted to run the whole way. And for them, the medal, yeah, it does really mean quite a lot. And so to have that be a little bit off is, uh, you know, they might see that and they might be a bit disappointed. But I mean, for me, I'm almost... This is what I said as well, I think, is I almost think it's brilliant that they've cocked up the middle because it means that they've put so much like energy and focus into making it the best race possible. That they've get... missed that, yeah. But they've, they've just, it's just been an afterthought, and I yeah. think that's brilliant. I, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. My last thing that I want to say about the Snetterton 10K and specifically the concept of running 10Ks on a racetrack is I think on the elite side of things... It would be awesome, and we should do a podcast on this at some point with somebody yeah. who knows a little bit more about the industry, is if you get some gambling involved. Oh, yeah. I think gambling in athletics, like running specifically, I don't understand why it's not a thing. I think it should be a thing. I think it would bring money into the sport. Yeah. And people talk about, oh, you, somebody would throw a race off or like just they get paid off or something, whatever. I just, I don't think that that, I think that's such a small problem to focus on. And I'll tell you what, I'll bring it back, I'll bring it back round to any other sport, right? And we'll bring it back round to the one I talk about most outside the running on this pod, which is boxing. There's a hell of a lot of money in gambling that goes in with boxing. Yeah. You know anyone who's going to take a dive in a fight. Exactly. Professional athlete, they've got too much pride. And if you're up the front there 
and somebody said, oh, yeah, you want to win more this. than you want to earn money. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. So I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think there's this untapped potential. And I think, yeah, it's almost like a culture thing. It's perfectly normal to go and watch the boxing and have a beer, the rugby, the football, anything else. Mm. Yeah, go and watch Why athletics, not? have a beer, enjoy exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there are some places like the Saw Mile and the Highgate 10,000, 90, 10,000 BBs that have started bringing in alcohol as like one of the main things for spectators at their events. The Saw Mile, everyone that competed at the Saw Mile after the race got a free pint. Really? How great is that? Did they really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. And the other thing as well is it just, things like that, they just make everyone... I say the word rowdy, but what I mean is louder and a louder that's audience what you want, is good. That's, yeah, yeah, it's great. You, you say rowdy, like I'd love to have a rowdy crowd at a track meet. Yeah. Like, it'd be brilliant or a road race or whatever. I'm probably the best road race in terms of atmosphere that I've ever done was the Lord Mayor's 5k in Norwich. And the reason why it had so much atmosphere is because it was run on the same day that Sweden played England in the World Cup. Yeah. So and we was... smashed them 2-0. So exactly. everyone was in the pubs. They came out of the pubs. It, the race pretty much started about half an hour after full time. So it was the perfect time. People came out and there was a bunch of barriers on the road and people running around and they're like, what the hell? Ah, this is brilliant. I'm just going to shout at these people. And yeah. it's, it's one of the best atmospheres from any road race I've ever been to. Yeah. No, and I, uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Is there's, there's untapped potential and why not take something like on being on a racetrack or or something that maybe has a slightly newer, fresher flavor to it, to some people's mind, you yeah. know, because obviously running on racetracks is not brand new, but it has this maybe fresh feel. If you tell most people, I did a road race or a 10K the other day, they go, oh, where'd you do that? If you go, oh, yeah, I did it on a racetrack. Yeah, They'll exactly. go, oh, wow, like that. Why <laughs> not use that as almost like a whole platform to kind of reinvent the sport a little bit, you know, reinvent the kind of event. That side of the sport, especially yeah. especially since at the moment with the the shoes, sigh, yeah, with all of that stuff going on, why not take that as an opportunity to completely reinvent road running? And instead yeah. of it being road running, be race tr- like do you know what i mean like track running but not it, on a race like running track you almost think of it i'd say what like, most, a, like an extra discipline almost yeah you call it you know road racing instead of road running i know it is yeah. road racing but you know make use the word race to your advantage more race you well say- that could then potentially create quite a nice split between completion and speed yeah which is where you could then draw the line and have things like gambling come in and, and you and could create odds. Let's say you've got a field size and a road race of 50 as opposed to 50,000. You could quite easily create odds on each of those 50. Yeah. Say, I can't remember what the things are for horse racing, but it's like each yeah. ways and but, first, second, third, you know, all of that sort yeah. of thing. And well, the other thing as well is if you think about the Ipswich 5K, which is, you know, it's a good quick race as laps. It's got... The quickest 5K in the country. Exactly. It's got several other factors that we've talked about. Quick race, you know, decent spectatorship mm. and all that sort of thing. And an elite, a separate elite race exactly, as well. Exactly. As it's got those banded things, doesn't it? They go off in different mm. bands for how fast you're going to run. You could easily do that here. You go to a oh, race, yeah. you get, you know, if you spend a day at a racetrack, you might get a couple of different races. Well, it's like it the same. Here we go. We're throwing it back to boxing again if you go to a boxing match there's the undercard isn't there exactly why not have a running equivalent of the undercard there's several heats of let's say it's a 10k let's say it's a half marathon you'd have you could quite easily quite yeah. easily do the fun runners who want to go off and just plod around for completion and do it mm. in an hour or whatever you could quite happily do them in the middle of the afternoon when they're just fun to have with their mates yeah. and then say right stay around you get to watch the elite races do it afterwards yeah, yeah you could, something you could like do something like that 
and a, a racetrack like that you could quite easily light up at night as well oh yes so if you had okay seven o'clock prime time that's when the elite 10k kicks off yeah these guys are i mean you could you could have say the british championship or you could have a series of races all around the country spectacle wise there's oh, there's a lot yeah. there's a lot more i feel like we've really got into this yeah we have. <laughs> i don't think we, we didn't we didn't have these it. notes but it, honestly <laughs> it's like i say it, it was a wicked event to, to be involved in and i think and it's got endless amounts of potential it has basically. so much it has so much potential but let's now let's talk about the actual racing of this let's get into your racing experience because this I dare say is the first time you've ever been in a real race. Yeah, it is. And I think this is, I'm, I'm hoping that some of the people that listen to this who maybe do a bit of running themselves and, you know, have maybe taken part in You've races. done park run and you've tried to run PBs and yeah, yeah you've done maybe a half marathon and you've tried to run it. Yeah, I think, I think maybe hopefully they can relate to some of my experience f- from this. So I'll be honest. When I turned up that day, I did not see it as a race. I didn't see it as a tactical me versus other people. I saw it as me versus the clock, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was what I had in my mind. As I had this mind, I knew that I was going to break 40. I wasn't completely <laughs> confident in that. I know that sounds silly because you'll go, yeah. oh, yeah, look at the time you ran. But, you know, for me, I'd, I'd only ever done that once before. And that's when you dragged me around in America and I barely survived. Yeah. And well, and remember, that was six miles, not 10K. So Ex- exactly. You'd have been, you'd have, if we'd run a whole 10K, you'd have been about 41. Exactly. So for me, it was just that new thing. So that was, that was one thing. And then, like you say, I didn't know what to expect. Like a big part of this is I got to the start line and I thought like at park run, I know I'll usually be in the sort of the, you know, the top 10, the top five at park run. Mm-hmm. So I'll push right the way up to the front at the start. I didn't know how brave to be. I thought, what if I go up the front <laughs> and everyone goes zooming off at Kieran pace and mm-hmm. then I'm just sort of like getting in everyone's way. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, so it is, of, is that fear of the unknown kind of thing. And it, exactly. It was lucky that you had Francis, one of the other athletes that I coach, that was kind of with you and you guys could get together because you were in about the same well, kind of shape. You've done pretty similar training. You, you, you say that. So here's a little insight behind the scenes. Hi, Francis. Pleasure meeting you the other day. But you could have helped me out a little bit because we had a little group chat going on, didn't we? And we I did. put I put a picture of myself on said group chat saying, right, this is what I look like, everyone. If you want to come say hi and meet up with me before the race, that's that's who to look out for. Did anyone else respond? No, they didn't. So basically, I've, I'm going around. I'm getting warmed up. I'm on the start line thinking, right, ready to go. Just think, right, I'm going to go out there and run my own race. All of a sudden, someone just by chance, somebody, literally the person next to me just goes, Sam. And I go, huh? Like that, and by chance, Francis there just sort of introduced himself there. But anyway, maybe so, he was trying to psych you out. Maybe, maybe he was. Good work if you were, Francis, because it worked. Yeah, <laughs> until I went ahead. Oh, there we go then. Okay, cold. let's let's get into the actual race because I mean, there's a picture of you guys running together. So yeah. There was, there must have been some element of teamwork going on. Yeah, so we met up and obviously we discussed what you'd said and you'd said as far as a race plan goes, you want to go out and aim for these sort of times, which I think the the low six, I think 6.05 to 6.10 from memory is what you said. Do you know what? I actually cannot remember I'm, at all. I think <laughs> I think it was go through, yeah, go through the first three miles at about 6.05 pace. You'll have your watch, like you'll, yeah. know where you, you'll know roughly where you are and then try and work together to push on from there. Exactly, so... Francis said that and I actually think Francis dragged me out a little bit quicker than I would have run had I been on myself because he was super glued to that. I'll be honest, I wasn't going to go out and 
I was just going to go out and run my own race and sort of see what felt good. Mm-hmm. But Francis was very conscious of trying to get out there and get going up to pace quickly. Well, he is he is very good at getting out hard. Like he, if you give him a pace to hit, he will hit that split on the first mile. 100% exactly. Every single time. And we went out and we did that. And I remember I, I, I thought that I turned all the alerts off on my watch because I didn't want it beeping at me the whole <laughs> way around. And we got a mile in. I just said, and looked a, looked down. And I've I, got and I, your splits now. I've just found them on yeah. Strava. Well, I only looked at I only looked at my watch twice during the race, and I looked at the first mile. It went bling. And it went six oh two. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's about where we want to be. But let's not get too carried you away. You guys, you literally nailed it through two miles. You were exactly twelve ten through two miles, and yeah. then the third mile you ran a five fifty eight. But I mean, your average pace was six flat overall. You went 558, six flat, 607, 552. And your last point two, your last 400 meters, do you remember what it was? I think it's 521 or something like Five that. To, it's bang on the money. Yeah. This guy has studied his splits. I'll talk to you about the last, <laughs> I talked about the last 400 meters. Yeah, but I mean, it you was, guys absolutely, you had a race plan and you worked together and executed it literally to perfection. Well, uh, well, thank you, I should say, first of all. <laughs> That's, I'm very flattered. Um, but we went out, yeah, and like I say, we sort of we followed through that first mile, and and at first the watch went bing, and it was six oh two, and I sort of I, I remember I said to Francis because we were talking at this point as we went along, mm-hmm. um, and I said, let's not get carried away, basically, because you know what it's like. It's Which be quite is, yeah, easy. well, that's good teamwork from from you there to remember like ten k is a long race, like you want to be fairly relaxed through through you know three four miles it, exactly, and and I was worried that if we go out and run six oh two. When you say it next to 6.05, it doesn't sound so bad, but had we gone mm. out and run 6.10, something like that, all of a sudden those eight seconds difference, those would add up to a fairly significant margin Exactly. if you weren't careful. If, so. Yeah, exactly. If 6.02 was too fast in the beginning and then it meant that you were running 6.12s in the second half instead of sub-6s, then yeah, exactly. Yeah. Suddenly you're, you've given away a ton of time. Yeah. So from there, I, you know, it didn't really... I didn't really think too much about it because I was just sort of going around the course and enjoying the course. Does that work? Because you, know, you mm-hmm. want to kind of get a mental map of where you are and you spot the groups and you notice it, it starts to thin. So you spot the groups and you sort of, you know, you think, oh, well, we look like we're catching up with them. And then you sort of hook on the back of them and the back straight. So like I say, anyone who's playing along at home, if you have a look at the, <laughs> if you have a look at the image of the racetrack um, up the top, sort of 12 o'clock, there's that long straight on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, that, did feel a bit windy at one moment and i remember francis said right let's get up onto the back of that group it was probably about five or six Tuck people ahead of us them. yeah so there was some you know there was some tactics going on at that point um so we ran with them and i can't remember exactly how far we were around but i reckon we probably got to this bit here so the sort of diagonal line okay the little in a bit yep. as you come up to what looks like palmer corner there mm-hmm. um we got to there and I reckon I probably just had the legs on Francis at that bit there and I pulled away a little bit. Not intentionally, just as in I felt fine, so is I thought this, I'll carry on, the, on with this it. This on the first or the second First lap, lap yeah. First lap, yeah. So pulled away from there and at that point I honestly didn't know how far he was over me. I thought he could have died and fallen right the way back or he could be right on my shoulder and I wasn't sure. But I felt good. I was sort of going out to run my own race. Went round and then did the first lap and the lap basically, so again, if you're sort of have a look at the track and you familiarize yourself nine o'clock that sort of um 
straight right on the edge as you go that that's the start line there right and then the pit lane where the finish lane was or the finish line sorry was on the pit lane sort of just down the bottom here so which is of, uh, that's kind of cool but it would have been cool yeah. if you'd finished on that the actual checkered like and you had a checkered flag yeah that, that would have been, been good. really cool that would have been really but, good yeah. i mean um, either way but we were we were there basically and as we came around there the only other time i looked at my watch was that halfway point mm-hmm. and i looked down did they have uh kilometer markers out they, on the they did but the problem <laughs> this is quite funny is um they had them laid out for the 5k as well so ah. you're going along and you'd been on you know you've been running for a few minutes and all of a sudden it goes 4k left again you go that sound right um, <laughs> it's easy quick we'll, 6k jeez we'll breeze it in um but yeah it was okay and then like i say i looked at my watch on that first lap and i looked down i i don't remember what the second said but the first part said 17 something mm. and i thought oh what have i done because <laughs> i thought either one of two things is about to happen is i am either about to absolutely smash this time and go way faster than i thought <laughs> i way for, faster than i thought i had in me or it is gonna burn in the last part of the race <laughs> so carried on past there and then i'll tell you what happened is as we were probably coming around that back straight and then onto so there's like the bridge that i mentioned earlier where the name of the race circuit on there's Mm -hmm. a bridge probably around here just as you enter the straight and it was at that point i saw a bloke who was kind of he looked like he was flagging a little bit and i sort of went up ran on his shoulder for a little bit and then sort of i spotted another group up the top there and at that point it sort of started to become a race for me Okay, because all that's of a when sudden, you started to get a bit competitive and you thought, like, these there are guys in front of me, I can beat them, I can the, beat him. I'll tell you what They're it was. Is, I'm fresher than he is. Yeah, is I, was, I was running around and I, I could feel by the time I was probably, I'm trying to think, maybe like six or seven K in. So that's, Yeah, you know, where you pointed to looks like it's about six K. Yeah, so maybe, probably maybe seven there. Probably around the wiggly bit there. Anyway, yep. I could feel, you know, when your legs are sort of starting to fizz a little bit, like they're not burning, but you know that, you know that they've done some work yep. and you know they've still got a bit of work left. I was feeling like that, but I felt relatively relaxed. You know, I wasn't blowing or anything like that. And you could see just in the way that people were holding their shoulders and the way that they looked as they were tapping along, it just started to look like they were in trouble a little bit. Yeah, well, that's probably from as a result of going out a bit too hard. Had you gone out with them from the start, you might have been experiencing the same thing. Exactly. So at that point, there was a couple of people I remember. There was a person as I went under the bridge and he looked like he was holding on a little bit. And as I sort of went up and ran on his shoulder, I noticed as I started to move, he tried to go with me mm-hmm. as well. Like I could feel him. And I just, I wasn't bothered. I just kept going and he felt okay. And then there was another person who I remember, he had an orange vest on, dot, dot, dot. Let's see if we can work out where he came from. <laughs> um, but he had an orange vest on and his whole posture and everything. He looked like he burnt a little bit too much too soon. Oh boy. And... There was probably like three or four of us at this point, like in a group running along. And we'd all sort of, you know, I'd go in front and someone else would go in front. It wasn't intentional, but that's just what You were kind of pulling each other along, basically, working together as a group. And in the end, we just sort of caught up to this person. I thought, right, let's just see how he feels. And within about... Normally, I like to hang on someone's shoulder a touch just to get a gauge for it. Didn't even bother, just went straight round. Which, actually, it's funny that you say that because we said we're going to get into some do's and don'ts. Uh, a bit later but here's i'll give you one of the major don'ts and do's because it kind of goes both way doesn't it yeah is when you go past somebody in a race don't just sit on their shoulder and wait for them to get tired you just what you do do here's your do is when you overtake somebody you just blow by them yeah even if it's more energy than you're willing to expend at that moment if you can mentally break them by just blowing by they'll give up they won't go with you at all and, and that's what, that's them beaten. And you know what? I think that's what exactly what happened here because as I remember it, 
we saw this guy blow. And then, like I said, there was a group of us, so two or three. So it wasn't like one person just went past him. This guy had been running and he'd actually, he personally had moved away from a little other group that was there. He'd been like the only surviving member of that group oh, wow. up the front. Um, and all of a sudden he had like three or four people just go past him. And you could tell it just broke him. It just, it just, <laughs> yeah, it just, just got him. swallowed up. I, yeah. I don't know where he finished in the end, but in the pictures that I've looked at of the finish line, he doesn't look like he's anywhere close. Oh boy. So I think that must have really hurt him. And then as <laughs> we were coming round, again, sort of if you imagine that like that diagonal line, probably about where I started to move away from Francis on the first lap. Um they had like a photographer and they had like a, you know, sort of a DJ playing music and an MC just sort of talking about, you know, talking, you know, saying well done and re- reading out race numbers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he said something like, oh, this looks like it could be the battle for the top 15 or something here. And it's, okay. when, he, and it's when he said that, I thought like, oh, that sounds all right, doesn't it? Because I, you know what it's like. I, <laughs> well, little did you know, yeah, you weren't too far away from being in the top 10 battle. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened. So the guy that was ahead of me... um, it was probably at about this point. It was probably about a mile left at that point. And he, the guy, there was a guy in a blue shirt. I'm sure we can find his name if you ever finished ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Oh, well, he, I, I have his name right here. It's Alex Arms. Shout out, Mr. Really? Arms. Anyway, he, at that point, like I said, there was this little group of us and he just had something left in the tank that I didn't at that point. He was he just, just a bit a stronger. Bit. He was wearing that which shall not be named on his feet. Ooh. And they were box fresh as well. Ooh, so we had that energy they, return. They were box fresh as well because oh, they, <laughs> they were the new de- they were the new design as well. Well he um, he put eight seconds on you. So yeah. I think we can blame those shoes for at least eight seconds. Ooh, but anyway <laughs> no offense, Alex. He found he found a gear basically and yep. he just went and uh, it, it was a deliberate move. Like the guy said, you know, you've got this, or he obviously saw a marker or something like that. And he, he obviously just went, boom, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go. And he went and fair play to him. He finished very strongly. Uh, and then kind of the battle between me and this other person was on. So, you know, we shouldn't single out people for how they look because that's really bad. But this bloke, he looked like <laughs> a bigger bloke in fairness to him, not, you know, not right. overweight or anything like that, but he looked fairly tall and, you know, a bit more stocky than you might expect for an average runner. Yep. He wasn't wearing shorts either. He was wearing like running tights like, or tights, trans, leggings, whatever like, you want to call them. Yeah. Anyway, like that. And, and it's not something you necessarily expect to see on race day. So no, you, yeah, you expect to see vest and shorts. It, exactly. And I'd seen this guy and he, again, you can look at the pictures on here and he looks like he's blown. He looks like he's hurting, but mm-hmm. fair play. He was holding on. And this whole time I go, yeah, he'll drop off. He'll drop off. He'll drop off. <laughs> he was just still there. And in the end, he was still there. And I'll tell you what, we came up to this, uh, this back straight. So again, like I say, if you look over uh, kind of on the racetrack, there's a, there's a hairpin right in the top corner. And at that point, we were literally neck and neck. And I don't know how much further that represented left to go. Maybe a kilometer it if that. Like it's about a K. Anyway, there was, we're starting to lap people by this point. And he went around the outside of somebody. I went on the inside of somebody. And then I kind of accidentally really fired myself around that corner. And there was a slight uphill coming up that bit to go back onto the thing. And I just fired myself around that corner quicker than I probably needed to. And I just ah, came out you want, of it. You want to get every second you can. This is it. But I came out of it and I was just like, well, I'm going. Like, <laughs> I've, I've put my foot down. I can't slow down now with yeah. a kilometer, you know, 900 meters, whatever it was left. I said, I, I just can't. There's no point. Yeah. What no, is well. the point? If you've committed, down? you committed and you committed properly, which I think yeah. we've spoken about on 
it might have been on the top of the game podcast where yeah. we said when you when you commit when you make that move to go just go don't half ass it you fully go exactly so so like i say you go up there and we're having to weave around a few people and i can still see the bloke ahead of me here at this point he's wearing a blue shirt i remember so you could still see, see that that blue ahead of me mm-hmm. and i was sort of i wasn't necessarily trying to catch him up but I felt if I could see him... You were using that as a gauge, basically. Yeah, if yeah. I could see him and he wasn't getting smaller and smaller and smaller, then I was doing okay. Anyway, I fired myself out of that hairpin and then came around the bottom, that last bend, and felt okay. And I don't know what it was in my brain. As soon as I saw the finish line, something just went ping. And I just, honestly, like that. And I thought, oh, no. And I thought, oh, fine, just run through it. Like, you've only got you know, a couple hundred meters left, if that. Yeah push through it push through it. oh it came again and i thought oh no like that and i just thought i've just gone i've literally gone 200 meters too early like that it just that's how yeah. it felt anyway i coughed heavily probably two or three times and in that last home and straight i had to I, I had to slow down a touch and i don't mm-hmm. know it felt it felt like i slowed down to jogging pace obviously i didn't <laughs> but that's how it felt because i just had to take my foot off the gas and in that 15 seconds I slowed down old matey boy who'd been running with me and had held his own and who I had just you know decided that mentally I didn't like the look of him for some reason he came past me in that last bit as as, the as pit- you had slowed down to not throw up yeah literally yeah so like that and he said something on the way past and I'm sure that he's an experienced runner with lots of you know racing and he meant it in absolute good fashion of well done you've run a hell of a race good for you but he said something like great running mate or something like that and I took that as the biggest insult in the whole world <laughs> how dare you speak to me when I'm dying at the end of this race how dare you do that and somehow out of somewhere I found whatever gas was left and I raised the most almighty sprint we're talking about sprint finishes at the end of this yeah honestly I felt like I was driving a train that's how fast <laughs> I felt and nice. I Honestly, I gritted my teeth and I knew as soon as I put my foot down, I knew I'm having him. I'm yeah. having him. I'm you having knew he him. was gone. And I just blistered past him. And in the end, only must have got him past him by a couple of meters. One or second so. on the result that you yeah. got him by. So yeah, that, that must have been meters in it. <laughs> that's that's right. hilarious that it was that comic because I this is the first time I've actually heard this listeners. Yeah. So yeah, jeez. I it didn't know was, it was it was pure anger that got you ahead of him. I think anger maybe anger is the wrong word, but it was it was a it's steely no, determination. Pure no, it was pure anger, hurt and yeah. spite. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know where the strength came from because I was no good. I want to I I, I want to find this guy. His name on the results says Oliver Jones. So that's Oliver it, yeah. Jones. Reach out and like, can you just do all of Sam's races in future? And just, <laughs> yeah. just threaten to just beat him. And yeah. He'll uh, uh, he'll tag on to the back. I'm sure. Of you. I'm sure that in races future, I will find my racing nemesis that has done absolutely nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, it but, happens. It happens. But I will tag on. But on it, anyway, he, he ran a great race. I ran a good race, and I pipped him at the end. And I will put it up on for anyone who watches um, these things on YouTube or anyone who wants to listen to this on YouTube. I do put pictures up that I find irrelevant. There's a fantastic picture, if I do say so myself, of me dying over the finish line, gritted <laughs> teeth, pouring with sweat, just everything I've got photo. left. 
And that for me, I, I had to get that pitch. I thought he was fabulous. No, it was good. And yeah, Sam even went to the full extent of buying it off of the uh, yeah. the race photographer, which is something it's... I, in 10 years plus of running, <laughs> I've never done. So. Well, uh, I, I, anyway, it's a good little memento. But I tell you what, I crossed that finish line and immediately, you've seen what it was like when I finished my mile in Project 5. You've seen what it's like when I finished my Actually, park run sort of PB. threw yourself on the floor, basically. I just sort of crumbled, yeah, yeah. And I sort of crumbled again. And I won't... <laughs> which, I'll... to be fair, is great to see because it means... Like, as much as you say, oh, at this point, I felt really relaxed and I was comfortable, it means that you have really thrown everything into that race and you've really kind of drained yourself, especially with the way that you paced it as well. You've got the absolute most out of yourself, which is one of the things that I said we'd talk about, which we haven't actually touched on a great deal, is getting the absolute maximum out of yourself in the race. I think pacing is essential to doing that. Yeah, and I think I got it. 99 percent right and oh, it was only that last little one percent where i went maybe a touch too early that and you never know what else that could have been i mean that could have been a nutritional issue or it could have been just, yeah exactly you know it could have been yeah. any number of things if you make that move 10 times you know that might have just been the one time where it was a bit too early exactly well funnily uh, just the last couple of things i talk about the finish um, before we maybe just do some do's and don'ts um or some maybe highlight is highlight moments from racing that we've seen or experienced um i didn't know where francis was at this point like i, like I said i didn't know whether he was just on my shoulder I was or say he wasn't was, far away or a million miles away yeah but anyway so i'm in a bit of a hole personally i'm not in a good way i'm bent over a rail and yeah some not very nice things are happening to my body at that point um <laughs> you mean some not very nice things are leaving your body. yeah basically um and all of a sudden this hand comes up and like taps me on the shoulder and goes sam how was that you looked amazing mate at the end he goes <laughs> he goes you just went with that gear and then francis was there like i say i mean he obviously was only like 10 seconds 12 seconds behind me 12 something seconds, like that. yeah um so we had a good little chat um and he just seemed like he had a bit more faculty about it than I did at the end. But <laughs> but obviously he was delighted as well. And, and like I said, when I sprinted over that line, the first time I remember seeing on that clock, so the, the finish clock was right there. Mm-hmm. And it was like 37.10 was the first thing I remember seeing. I think like, geez, I'm 37. I'm 37 low here. Like, this is yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I um, thought you might sneak under 38. Like yeah. 38 flat was the prediction that I had for you and Francis, give or take about 10, 15 seconds. But yeah. uh, well, both of you. Francis was 37.28, yeah. inside, you were 37.6. Inside you smashed 30 it. This is 30 seconds plus. But yeah, so the, so the, in, in normal shoes, may I add. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so the um, so the, the race was great. And then it was really bizarre because all of a sudden, we're sort of just saying well done to each other and checking our watches and seeing you know, that what we've done and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's in the nicest possible way, Chris, if you look, and this old boy sort of comes up to us and goes, all right, guys. And uh, I'm like, yeah. And, then, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm Chris. And I assume, because at this point, I didn't appreciate who he was or what he'd done. I thought, oh, he's obviously just coming just behind us. <laughs> and then we go, oh, how do you get on? He goes, yeah, 34 something. He'd been waiting three minutes. This is it, you. yeah. He'd, honestly, he'd gone off. He'd gone back to the car, changed his shoes, cup of coffee, all this yeah, sort of thing. Cup of tea, Had a nap. Scones. Yeah. Honestly, he'd done all this. And, anyway, and it was so funny because then, like, France and I just sort of looked at each other like, what? <laughs> um, and then yeah afterwards uh we we all sort of obviously just grabbed some water and just went for a little uh two mile jog afterwards just to sort of cool it off and love it and and then yeah got got a couple of pictures done by a stranger in the car park but honestly like i say it was it was a wicked race and i had great fun with it um and it's given me a lot of encouragement for obviously coming up to london and for, and for doing events like this in the future yeah no definitely and it's really cool that, like you said that you got to find a couple of I'm going to call them teammates. Yeah, we're definitely. not. I mean, 
we're not an official club or anything like that, but I, you kind of, you're all kind of under my wing, as it were. Yeah. And you know, we've got the WhatsApp group chat where you guys talk to each yeah. other and stuff like that, and we've got the Sunday run where some of us all yeah. meet up and. And I tell you what, I did feel at the end there, especially at the end when obviously we all had that mutual point of view to kind of talk about and talk about training and then how we all got on. Mm -hmm. So I did genuinely feel that sense of community and that sort of spirit, a team spirit. Yeah, which is, which is great. Like that's one of the things that I've been really working hard, especially recently to try and cultivate now that we have like a decent number of us kind of all doing the same thing. We're all like-minded working towards similar goals, having you guys meet up and actually physically be able to go on a warm down together and have a chat and really, yeah, like just build. And and we got to sort something. of talk about our own little race highlights as well. Yeah, and and exactly. a, point, a point that Chris made that was really good about that circuit being two laps is he goes, yeah, you've gone around it once mentally, so you've learned it. And then the next bit you go around, you're ticking it off bit by bit. Going, yeah, right, you know where bit, you are. I've done that bit. I've, yeah, and, and, and if you guys go back and do the same race next year, for example, you know, you'll know the course even better because you've run it this year. Exactly. So it's really good to be able to obviously sort of talk about that and agree with things that had gone on with your peers. So yeah, like I say, that whole attitude of having a, a team at the end felt, really good and I think it would have felt great at the start the middle or the end but yeah it was good that we didn't miss out on it on the day basically <laughs> exactly yeah despite your efforts with posting selfies in the group chat yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> last little thing whilst we're on that as well and we're on the subject of the Sunday social and stuff like that I want to give a shout out to Oliver Watson who we talked about in the podcast before about we, you versus him on the podcast should we say friend, he got his own well, friend of the show shall friend we? of the show yeah friend of the show friend of steadfast he comes to the Sunday runs he absolutely knocked it out of the park after he got his revenge on you from the park. <laughs> Big run. time. Strongly. Uh, came through in eighth place in 35-36. I'm pretty sure that was a fairly chunky PB for Ollie. So yeah. well done, mate. Good, Good run. Great run. Great run. Great. So then if we to move forward from that, we've talked about our race highlights from Sunday specifically. I just wanted to know really, and this is something I've written this in my notes about race highlights and do's and don'ts. We talked about a couple. Obviously, I don't have enough racing experience to talk about it, but are there any maybe... Pick two or three things just to round off this pod that maybe have been moments that have stuck out to you in races that you've experienced or maybe some do's and don'ts that you've maybe learned the hard way or not. Just, you know, give us... Give the readers... A, uh, readers? Uh, readers? Listeners, rather. Um, it's not a newspaper, boy. Yeah, we'll transcribe it for some people. God, no. Um, but, yeah, just give us a, maybe a few highlights, two or three things that just stick in your mind as maybe some quick pro quos for listeners just to uh, finish this off with. Oh boy. Okay. So some of the major do's and don'ts. I mean, a major do is to run your own race. Don't get, and this becomes more important in my opinion, the longer the distance that you're running. And it's just to not get sucked in with the people at the front because it's going to be so easy to do. It's going to be tough for you at the London marathon because there's going to be so much support and you're going to feel so good early on. You need to run your own race. And the most important thing about running that own race is having a race plan. I mean, had I not said anything to you and Francis, I wonder whether you would have been able to find each other or whether you would have known what kind of pace to run or would you both have gone out at, you know, 5.40 or something and really suffered with those guys that you were passing? I think I'd have gone out a lot slower, personally. Really? Well, there you go. And you might have ended up at, like I predicted, about 38 flat. But the fact that you had a 37, 15, 16 in you shows that, you know, just having that confidence and having someone to tell you this is the race plan. Yeah just go out stick to it and that's a big do is do stick to the race plan we've got don't get sucked in do stick to the race plan like it um what else have we got i mean do be competitive as well like yes you're out there to run your own race but you know if there's somebody ahead of you that you think you've got a shot at beating and yeah. let's say they go out a little bit quicker than you're comfortable going like by all means latch on like yeah. <laughs> just go for it 
uh, we we had earlier we had the when you pass somebody you you gotta fly past them if you wanna make it dec- if you wanna make a decisive move yeah. make that move decisive exactly like we said earlier. Um, what are some of the mistakes that maybe I've made? Um, you don't wanna commit to like overcommit too early, which is a mistake that you nearly made. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, I was. You, I think I was on the blurred line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've made that mistake massively in the past, especially when I was like kind of a younger racer. I was almost the opposite athlete to what I am now, as I was good at cross country, but not so great on the track, and known for not having a brilliant kick. Where it's now almost the opposite way around, where I'm not great on the cross country, but I'm good on the track, and I've got a fairly decent kick. Nice. So I would go from fairly early in a race. And I would move hard with, say, like a kilometer to go in like a 3,000 meter race. That's a bold move. That's it a bold is a bold move. move. And yeah. I, many a time I like I made the mistake of I went way too hard for yeah. about a K to go and ended up getting burnt in the last lap anyway because I was going backwards rather than rather than a lack of acceleration. It was an actual deceleration. Yeah. So know when to make your moves. Basically. I think there's a good race with uh, Laura Muir in the 1500 where that exact thing happens. I can't remember exactly what year it is or what the competition is. But you might. I think you're thinking of the Olympics maybe, in 2016 yeah. where she tried to follow Gonzebe de Barba. Yeah. But she didn't have enough dope in her system. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, there was honestly... To keep up with the ridiculous move that de Barba made yeah. who... I think I can say with quite a lot of confidence, like there's just no way she was clean. <laughs> Laura Muir, I think, is 100% squeaky clean, but yeah. Fucking but yeah, anyway, it, yeah, it, it's uh, the, the the notion stays the same. Is yeah, trust, trust, don't, don't trust get too yourself. Excited, yeah. yeah, trust yourself, back yourself, but know your limits. Yeah, basically. know your limits is a good one. Actually. Yeah, I like that definitely. Um, God, what else is there? I mean, tactically, obviously, it's a lot easier to follow than to lead so if you're in a position in a group where you can sit at the back of the group or the front of the group i'm always going to choose the back in okay, the early yeah. stages until it unless it's in the latter stages where you're really racing so i always say that a 10k race doesn't start till 8k yeah if fair. it's a close race like for example you and francis who are in roughly about the same shape i mean if you put you guys on a treadmill and did a vo2 max test you'd probably come out about the same yeah i reckon like I reckon you weren't too far apart at about 8K. Probably not, no. But when the racing started, you made that bold move and trusted your instincts. So you've got to really trust your instincts when the race yeah. kicks off and back yourself. Yeah, I like it. Uh, whew, what else do we have? In terms of do's and don'ts, I, I probably should have drafted some of these up. These are all kind of coming off the top of my head. Um, no, that's good. That means they're honest. Don't feel like you've got to give any more. But. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean... There's there's lots of small things that you kind of pick up from experience and from racing. I suppose one of the big ones as well is to be prepared going into the race. You know, like know the course, know when you're going to warm up, know, you know, even something as small as where the toilets are before a race. Get your nutrition strategy right. Practice your nutrition, especially if it's a longer race. I mean, we literally talked earlier today about you practicing with drinks and gels for the marathon because yeah. we're still fair few weeks out from the london marathon i mean we haven't even started to do any marathon specific stuff yet but yeah. we need to kind of get you used to drinking on the move because it's something you've never done before yeah and consuming sure. gels on the move i mean you had a gel five minutes before we went out for our run today and yeah just testing that stuff out to make sure it doesn't mess with your stomach or yeah 
you know give you a stitch or make sure you can actually get the water down when you're moving yeah no, it's, do you know what this is all stuff that honestly honestly i wouldn't have thought about it before yeah it does exactly. it does make a difference and do you know what i was thinking actually as a way maybe just to round off this pod as a final little thing i thought actually i've just pulled up on my phone the little message that you gave us just before we all head off on the uh, on the race here <laughs> actually which yeah is, that's a great little quote so here, here we go so this is this is Kieran Clements. Uh, These Jan- are my final words, to Jan- you guys, before the race. Janu- January twenty nine, uh, uh, January nineteenth, two thousand and twenty. Right, we're all about <laughs> to head out on the racetrack, uh, and he just says, "Good luck out there, guys. Run smart, run brave, and have fun." There it is, and I think yeah, that can be the message to all of our listeners. Then next race, you guys do run smart, run brave, have fun, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>